Hey, this is Darlene, Amy's behind-the-scenes podcast ninja. If you follow Amy on social media or hang out in the After Hours Club on Facebook, then you may be aware that she has had some health issues lately. Being true to her word to walk her own talk, she is taking some time off from the podcast to tend to her own healing and self-care. She will be back in a few weeks with new episodes. Until then, we are going to be airing some of the After Hours members' favorite and most impactful podcast episodes. One quick note before we start the show. Because this is a rebroadcast, any references to promotional items, workshops, or events have since expired. Now, here is this week's community favorite, episode 214, For the Love of Money, part 1. You're listening to The Joy Junkie Show, your source for getting your shit together in love and life. Wouldn't it suck if I really talk like that? I'm Mr. Smith. I'll be hanging out on the show with you guys. So without further ado, here's your host, life coach, speaker, all-around badass, just happens to be my beautiful bride, Amy E. Smith. In this episode. (laughs) Hey, pod people. Hey, pod people. We're starting off with our really dorky married life (laughs) baby talk voices, which is gross. That's baby talk? That's not baby talk. We do baby, we do. That's like old prospector talk. (laughs) 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 Who fucking says old prospector talk? Like, come on now. Baby talk is like, but all of our stuff, the way we talk to each other is always in like special little voices or we make up names for things like I in after hours which by the way I'm going to talk to you guys about the private Facebook group that I have but in after hours my Facebook group I said Benny of the D which is what we say when we, we say, say that we yes. say when we give somebody the benefit of the doubt, benefit say, of the doubt. I'm going to give them the Benny of the D easy I mean come on <laughs> so come we, on millennials catch up but then we've been saying after hours. After hours. For and after I, hours. And I say after hours. Ew, he's so gross. It reminds <laughs> me of like when in the 80s when you would try to get the Playboy channel. Yes, and that's it was exactly like, what I was going oh, for. Oh, so nasty. Exactly what I was going for. I'm wow. glad that came through. All right. We have a really good show. So let us not <laughs> mar the entire thing with our ridiculous banter. We're going to talk about the love of money. We're going to talk about the Ooh. reasons – you are at odds with money. You feel like it's never enough. What the hell to do about it so that you can actually be wealthy. You can be fucking rich because who does not want more money in some kind of approximation? Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. Dollar, dollar bills. <laughs> Let me hear you sing. That's what we're going to be discussing today. This is a topic that has been in high demand from the audience. People have been asking me for this. I've dropped little comments about it throughout a couple of different podcasts, and people are like, you're always talking about how you guys got really clear on your money story and things totally changed for you and all of that. Do an episode on money. And I'm finally at a point now where I feel like we've really got a solid handle on it. We've made such progress. Amazing. And I think that there are some really, really simple things that you can shift in order to completely change the trajectory of your financial house. Yes. I think this is going to be 
a very, very popular episode. I think so, too. Yeah. Preach. Preach, sister. Cool. So I was mentioning very quickly about After Hours. After Hours is a club membership, essentially, for all of y'all listening, all of the pod peeps. And it is a community where you can get additional support. We talk about the biggest takeaways from the pod. We do a warm, fuzzy Wednesday. I do a Q and Slay Fridays where I do a live Facebook question and answer session for everybody. We've got hundreds of people in there. You get coupon codes on courses that I have. There's a resource vault. It's a wealth of information. It's been a pretty popular uh, addition to your business, too. People love it. Awesome. Because yeah. uh, so we did, we posted in After Hours a long time ago a video of what, like a behind the scenes of what it looks like when we actually record the pod. And oh, it yeah. is such a nightmare. <laughs> it's a nightmare, but people loved it. People loved it. So it's things like that an ability to connect with us beyond the pod. Yes. And behind the scenes. Selfishly, I love it so much because I feel like I am actually connecting and hearing about what you're struggling with, what aha moments I'm able to celebrate with you yeah. guys. If you're a part of it, you know the drill. You know how rad it is. And if you're not, fucking get over there. It's completely free and it's awesome combo. It's free shit. All you have to do is either check out the show notes page for this episode or you can go to thejoyjunkie.com slash club. It will redirect you right over to the Facebook group. And you just have to answer a couple questions to get in and it – just so that I know what they're not trick questions. They're not trick questions. It's like, uh, (laughs) what's the password clam chowder? Is it the red or the (laughs) white? I never remember that. I never remember that. What's the password? New England clam chowder. Is that the red or the white? Never remember that. (laughs) Well, is that East Ventura? That's an East Ventura Ventura. reference. Nice. We haven't done a comedy clip there in a minute. It's been a while since we've done one. You're right. All right. Well, I've been blabbing on and on. I think it's time to pass the mic to you. Ooh, rings his hands with pleasure. <laughs> time for. Would you rather? All right, today's Would You Rather for episode 214 is Would You Rather be locked in a room that's pitch black for a week? What? Or a room with very, very bright lights for a week? The brightest lights. Very, very bright lights. <laughs> the brightest lights. Oh, God. <laughs> I've got great words. I've, I've got great lights. I've got great very bright. Very bright. Tremendous lights. <laughs> We're just struggling comedians, our, if you didn't our know. Our Trump impressions need work. I mean. Pretty much need work. Wow. I think I, think I would have to choose the bright light. You would? Why? Um... And it's both like of the, blinding both bright light. Like blinding though. Like blinding. Yeah. So blinding. So blinding though. And it both of them are for one week. One week, yes. What would you pick? I'd pick the dark room. You would? I would. Explain your rationale. Uh, I think I would be able to clear my mind a lot easier in a dark room than I would in a really bright room. Mm-hmm. Um I think it would give me empathy for people that have no sight. No sight. Uh, I think bright lights just in rooms in general aggro me. I don't like like fluorescent bulbs. And You're like, what, of, it, what, what is yeah, all this? Yeah, I'm a, not a big fan. No. So I think the dark room would suit my 
But if, if it's pitch black, you can't see anything. And that's for a week. You don't, I don't think it's right for us to not know when it's daytime and nighttime and all of that. If I was in a bright, bright room, at least I would be able to see what was going on. No, no, no. It, there's no light. There's no windows. But I could see it's my just, hands and stuff. Yeah. Like I could see myself. How would you be able to tell what time of day it was by that? But then, listen, let me finish. Oh. But then I could do, like, cover my, my. I'm doing it right now, but nobody can see it. <laughs> I'm covering my, like, I could, you know, oh, when you, you, put, could when go you would dark. play Heads Up 7 uh, Up. Okay. Remember Heads Up 7 Up? I'm but you to couldn't give every, make it lighter in the room. You could only make keep it dark. But if it's light in the room, you could turn your lights off. You or turn your, close your eyes and <laughs> cover your face. Yeah, yeah. And cover, go, yeah. I see what you're saying. You could go incognito. If you mm. had to, just kind of. I like what you're saying. You I like what me? you're throwing. And on. isn't it you're like a form of torture for people to not know what time of day it is and all that? It's like a it's, week. It's, I think you could last a week. I think it's questionable. I don't think I could camp for a week. <laughs> <laughs> That's a completely different would you rather. Oh, my gosh. So we talk about this every single week in the After Hours Club. So scoot over there. Get all of your bunch of freebies over in the Resource Center and sound off on what you would rather. It's always a fun discussion. Let's uncover what the fuck to do about this money situation. Let's do it. All right? Let's, let's talk Benjamins. Okay. Or Tubman's. Or Tubman's. Yes. Oh, yeah, not yet. Not but yet, yeah. but thank God we're doing that. I love it. There are three major components that I'm going to talk about today. The second one is probably the meatiest. And I want you to listen to this episode multiple times because there are going to be nugget after nugget after after nugget that you will want to revisit because everything that I'm breaking down here today is something that has to be made consistent and it has to be made a continual practice. It has to become habitual. So you cannot just listen to it and think it's a good idea. So true. And not monitor how you engage with money day in and day out. There's going to be exercises, things that for you to do. Nothing is crazy. I'm not going to say you need to invest in a startup or any. It's not like that. <laughs> you need to start getting stocks and bonds. Nothing like that. This is a basic shift in how we engage with our financial house. It's and more of a mental shift than anything. That's right. Yeah. And when I heard that, I felt like I don't, I don't want a mental shift. I don't want to change my perspective. I want somebody to just tell me how to get a bunch of money. Like, just tell me how to get a bunch of money. And it wasn't until I really understood that money is energy and it I am in relationship with it the same way I'm in relationship to my body, the same way I'm in relationship to you, yeah. to my clients. And I started viewing it through a completely different perspective. And I shit you not, things completely completely changed for both of us. Yeah. And we are we have paid this was quite a while ago now, quite a few years ago now, but we paid off over $100,000 worth of debt. Easily 100. We have zero debt now. We own our cars free and clear as soon as we move. We will have no mortgage payment. No mortgage like zero zero debt. debt free. We pay for everything in cash and the reason I'm even bringing this up is because we were the exact opposite we would always lean towards credit. In fact, I had a disproportionate better relationship with debt than I did with money. For I sure. romanced the fuck out of debt. Yep. 
And this really came to a head for us in 2014. It was during a time, I was actually doing the podcast at the time. Uh-huh. And Mr. Smith was going in for a surgery on his arm. And we were going to be losing a tremendous amount of income because you weren't going to be working. Yep. And we were we were totally fine. We completely figured it out. But the way we figured it out was to incur a shit ton more debt. At that time, we had just gotten done paying, paying off just completely. Got done. Just got done. During that time, $60,000 worth of debt. And then we immediately, at the time of that accident, incurred $40,000 more. Our go-to response in that time of hardship was not to engage with money. It wasn't, what can we do to make money? It was, how do we go get debt? How do we go pull out another loan? And we, I think I really spearheaded it. I've definitely taken a lot of ownership over that. I had a sordid love affair with debt. And that was when I really became a student around finances, around money stories. I'm going to talk about that. Around engaging with your money like it is an actual relationship. And I started doing things completely differently. And now, quite a few years later, we're like, oh my God, we're so rich. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And we're not, it's certainly, it's not like we're shitting money, but. Yeah, no. That face you had. (laughs) I, I, I'm not I'm not trying to say we're millionaires or anything like that, but everything has changed for us. Everything has changed. It has been a long ass time since I've been worried about money. It's been years since I've been worried about money. Yeah. And that alleviation of stress is life changing. That's what people talk about when they say, I want the freedom. Yep. that money provides. Yes. It's freedom not just to travel or to invest or to get your kids what they want or they can go to an amazing school or whatever. It's the freedom from the fucking stress of money. Yep. That's exactly right. And there was a handful of things that we learned that I think are very easy to replicate. If we can do it, you sure as hell can do it. Absolutely. The first piece that I want you to get really, really clear on, and I'm going to give you tons of resources, other places that we searched out, books we read and things like that, that really opened the door for us. And the first thing that we got clear on was our beliefs about money and our money story. Probably the most pivotal piece of that was we read Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by Harvecker. And I will put that in T. Harvecker, right? T. Harvecker, yeah. yeah. I think he sometimes goes by a different oh, he does. moniker. Yeah. And that completely opened up my eyes to the messages that I had received around money when I was a kid and how that completely influenced how I behave now. For instance, my parents always said, we don't need to spend money on that. We don't need to spend money on that. We don't need, I mean, every little thing. If I wanted, to buy a little sticker a at a, or a gumball like yeah. at a grocery store, you know how it's 25 cents. My parents would always say, we don't need to spend money on that. I could never ride the little, you know, the, the pony, the little the pony on the outside. Like they, they would say, we don't need to spend money on that. Fast forward to who I was in my career. I became a chronic DIYer. I built my entire website. I did everything myself because my perspective was, I don't need to spend money on that. I don't need to spend. So I went the opposite end. And I think had I invested in my business much, much sooner, I would be way farther along in a shorter period of time than what I did. But I really am grateful for that. 
because I needed to learn that. I, I think it was good for you because you can wear so many different hats. Yeah. You know, it, so it, it definitely yes. served you. And I also know if somebody is like raking me across the coals, I'm like, that doesn't take that long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know because I used to do it. Yeah. Anyway, I had a very specific story around money. There were a, there were a lot of things that I uncovered specifically about how I engaged with money as a child. And you, you had the same yep. where your mom spent it, always just spent it, spent it, spent it. Her motto was money is made to spend. Mm-hmm. That's that was her thing. She's like, if there was money in her account, it was time to spend it. Yeah, there was no planning for her future. Mm-hmm. There was no retirement. There was no savings. There was nothing. Nothing. And the stories, though, that we started creating. So that's one thing. What you were taught about money, your money messaging. And again, in in Harvecker's book, he goes through different journaling that both of us did and shared it with one another and talked about what came up for us. My big story was around management of the money. I was terrified that I could not manage large sums of money. What that meant was... I played very, very small. So if I could make a certain amount per month, I was comfortable with that. I was comfortable managing that amount. And so I would indirectly self-sabotage myself and just not ever incur more income because the root of it was I was terrified to have to learn QuickBooks or budget my taxes differently or have to save. I want you to start thinking, what is your major money story? And it may sound like one of these. Money or attainment of money or wealth or riches has to be hard. It has to be challenging. It has to be difficult. There's no way that it could be with ease, right? That could be a negative belief. One that you had was if you are wealthy, you are an asshole, like it or you've done something wrong to get there. Like you've shady. done, you've taken money from other people to get yours. Right. Right. You had to be miserly or mean or right. shrewd. Something we associate with being a negative human. Mine like was, Scrooge. like I said, around the management of it. I was so terrified of getting so big that I would have to have somebody do my books and. Uh, taxes and just all of that stuff freaked me out. And now that I've completely gotten over that, I'm like, dude, that was such bullshit. I am amazing at nitpicking tiny <laughs> amount. Like exactly. I am good at that kind of stuff. Yep. And now I'm like, holy hell, why did I think I couldn't manage this? I'm fucking amazing at it. I'm totally the CFO for all my joint projects. I'm like, here's what we've got in the budget. That's not fiscally responsible. You know, like we can't, we don't have money. I'm like, why did I think I couldn't do that? (laughs) But it wasn't until I really looked at it because it's all subconscious. Nobody thinks consciously, I'm going to totally sabotage my ability to make money. I'm going to make it really, really hard for myself. And I'm going to struggle my entire life. That sounds like fun. A lot of it, just like most of the things that I help people uncover with their beliefs and things like that, is rooted in subconscious messaging that we received as a child. And it now permeates our entire world. This is no different. And if you've made any personal development shifts, like you've learned how to speak kindly to yourself or you've shifted 
your relationship to guilt or ability to speak up to people. You can do the exact same shit with money. It's all just an energetic perspective. That's and absolutely then right. Actions that follow suit in alignment with that perspective. A couple of other ones you want to think about, and I would suggest getting this out on paper or picking up Harvecker's book. I'm not an affiliate or anything like that. I don't get any kickbacks. It was just really beneficial for us. Yeah, it was our it was our Kickstarter book. It really was. There's there's some stuff that doesn't quite hit home, but a majority of it, I was like, damn, I really needed to look at this. And we had so many aha moments around it. A, a couple of other stories that, that people tend to have is if I gain a lot of wealth, I might lose it. Yeah. Like there's fear around loss of it. There's if I have a lot of money, people will take advantage of me. Then people will only like me for my money. There's so many stories. I mean, possibilities are endless. Yeah. Sometimes it will be also attached to money in your youth. Like if you had a lot of money at one point and there was a lot of negative relationships that were happening during that time. Like let's say oh, interesting. during your first mm -hmm. marriage, you guys were extremely wealthy, but he was awful to you and held money over your head or things like that. Sometimes we'll associate money or wealth with toxicity in a relationship. Yeah. And you will purposely keep your financial house small. And again, like I said, subconsciously, not deliberately, so that you will not have a toxic relationship. And you're like, oh my God, we're happy now. Mm -hmm. But if we gain a lot of money, that's going to be the end of it. Exactly. And it's all the undercurrent. It's not anything that you would own or say like, oh yeah, I'm actually scared that that's going to tear apart my relationship. I need you to really, really understand that. And everybody's story is completely different. That's the first thing. Really getting clear on where you're stuck. What's the money story? What are your beliefs about money? It has to be hard. If you have a lot of it, you're an asshole. Whatever it is, right? The second thing is you need to start altering your relationship with money. And you're going to do this by starting to view your money like a human. Anybody else that you like a relationship. would have a relationship with. Yeah. And I'm going to link to this in the show notes, but I talked about this a lot in the body image episode where we don't realize when it's not an actual human that we are still engaging in a relationship with something. We have yeah. that with our bodies. We have that with our finances. We have that with a ton of things. We just don't put it under that kind of a microscope. There are, let's see, four things that I really want to address about this. And I'm looking at our timing and I'm thinking this is probably going to have to be a two-parter. Sounds like it. I think we'll get through half of this and then you'll have to stay tuned and we will jump back in with the next round next time. I just decided that off the cuff. Love it. It's like an 80s a sitcom. Yes. When it's like a, it's a cliffhanger so you can picture me and like just staring <laughs> off into the camera. There are four different ways that I want you to engage with a new relationship with money. The first, and this was extremely my case, stop the abuse. And I'm going to talk about all of these points as though we were talking to an actual human. If we think about two major forms of abuse, right? If we're talking about like child abuse, for example. Yeah. There is extreme verbal abuse and there's also neglect. Neglect is one of the most egregious forms of, of, of abuse when we're talking about like a parent to child or, and you know what I mean? Sure. Now, yeah. of course, there's other types, physical abuse, et cetera. But these two 
are very pervasive in our relationship with money. So what I noticed is the way that I spoke to money was extremely negative. If it were a human and I was talking to you, telling you, you're not enough, you are never enough. Why are you never enough? Why are you never enough? And at the same time, never specified exactly what I wanted. Yeah. Like I want $4,000 by this time and here's what I'm going to do to get it. And we're going to talk about that later. Just like we do with any of the boundary stuff. Exactly. You know? It's the clarity. Yeah. It's the specificity. It's saying, not saying to your partner, I want more romance. It's like, okay, I'll get right on that. Yeah. Same thing for money. I want more money. You're not enough. Okay, I'll get right on that. I don't know what that means. And right. you're sending a shit ton of mixed messages because you're being extremely abusive. If you were to tell anybody else in your life that they are not enough, that is fucking verbal abuse, right? Sure. Like if you were to say, I mean, not saying like, I'm not saying if you're engaging with somebody and and you're saying it's just not what I want. I'm not saying that. Right. I'm saying if you were to tell something like you are not enough, you're not worthy of me, you're not whatever, you're not enough. It, that is really spiteful and mean. And because we're dealing with energy, it's just straight up fucking energy. That is repelling. It's repulsive. It goes in the opposite direction. Money goes, fuck, she doesn't like me. Right. She's not interested. In fact, she loves debt. She's always taking out IOUs and loans and all sorts of things like that. No, I'm not saying under no circumstance take a loan or take, you know, get a credit card. I'm not saying that at all. In fact, we're not even going to touch on that. I'm saying watch where you are throwing the love, throwing the attention, and look at where you're being abusive. A lot of times we're being verbally abusive, but then we're also being neglectful. Mm-hmm. This was very much my story, and I'm curious what you felt about your own. But the way in which I neglected my money is I would always be back, both of us would be back on our taxes. Yeah, no, where for sure. we always filed an extension. We weren't ever really looking at it. We didn't look at what debt we really incurred up until probably six or seven years ago. We just kept racking it up. We didn't even, by the time we started getting control of our debt, we were like, holy shit, I can't even believe we've incurred this much. We, we were so neglectful. We didn't even know what we were spending. We weren't, we had no dates with money where we sat down and looked at okay, here's what's coming in. Here's what's going out. Here's what's going to be allocated this way. Yeah. We also learned a lot from Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey was big, yeah. And I'm not a huge fan of him personally. (laughs) I think he can be a little misogynistic personally, but his ideology is amazing in a lot of ways. And that changed how we started talking to our money in the sense of directing it where we wanted it to go. He has baby steps. It's his thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll link to that in the show notes too. What do you think your abuses were? Well, f- for some reason, I didn't want to have more than I needed in my bank account. Hmm. Like if I had more than I needed, there was something to spend it on. Hmm. So I still had that idea of what my mom told me was it was made to spend. So I kept spending it. I didn't really think of it as something you saved. Yeah. The way that I kind of looked at it is my bank account and my income was like a marriage. Yeah. And my debt was my thing on the side. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Right? So I had this thing on the side that I could go to anytime I needed a 
a quick fix. Mm-hmm. And my marriage to money was never enough. Yeah, and falling apart. And falling apart and constantly in disarray. But debt was always there to save me. Right. It was always there to pick me up. And my philosophy was, well, I'll just get a 0% credit card. It's the same as money. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as that runs out, I'll switch it to another zero down mm-hmm. or 0%. And I'll just keep flipping that and keep flipping it. Yeah. But it just compounds. Right. That's the thing I wasn't thinking of. But it compounds negatively for me. And now I look at it as I want it, I want money to compound for me. Right. I want it to be in my service. Right. Yes. Not me in service of. Yes. So that's how my perspective changed. Is I'm a slave. You know, the debtor is slave to the lender. Right? right. Right. So now that I've kind of switched that gear, I look at it more like now my money is in investments and things that work for me. And I would say, too, we both were in the neglect bandwagon. We didn't look at things. Yeah. We would only look at the emergency situations. And that is kind of like when you have that friend who only reaches out when they need something. Yeah. We would only really pay attention to our money when shit was hitting the fan. Otherwise, we wouldn't even, I wouldn't do my books until the very end of the year. I had no idea what each launch was making. I had no idea what I made from one-on-ones. I had no idea what I was making from joint collaborations. I was neglecting, and you would do the same. We were really up a creek with tax stuff for many years, and thank God that's done. And now- (laughs) It's just a simple management. Like we've completely learned how to be on top of it. I will throw the link to Dave Ramsey in the show notes page as well, because I think that there are some really great nuggets that you can take away from that. He has great baby steps and really tangible Mm -hmm. ways to go about it. He's got a podcast too. He does. Mm -hmm. Yep. Absolutely. So I want you to start looking at, if we're looking at money like a relationship, are you abusive? Are you verbally abusive? Are you neglectful? What's your role in the matter? The next thing that I want to talk about relating to the relationship is to separate, this is huge, separate shitty circumstances from your relationship with money. I'll give you a, a couple of examples. We had our fridge breakdown and we yes. had to spend like five or 600 bucks to get a new fridge. And Fortunately, we had worked through a lot of our money shit at the time. So we were clear that the situation sucked. Money didn't suck. Money actually came to our rescue. Now, do is that really where I want to send my money? Probably not, but I'm sure as hell grateful that it came to my rescue. The situation is what you're angry about. That's what you're frustrated about. Don't misdirect that to anger towards money. Try the best you can to separate the two. And a lot of that has to do with your gratitude towards money, which I'm seeing that we're going to need to cover probably next week. And yeah, so we'll get all into that next week. But we also had a situation with some doctor bills. I had to see the doctor and I had incurred a couple of medical bills. And the way that I spoke to my money, I was like, I'm so sorry that this is happening with my health. Obviously, I spoke really kindly to my body. Like, what do I need to do? Do I need to fuel you with something differently? And then to my money, I was like, thank you, thank you, thank you for taking care of that medical bill. It's almost like if somebody else were to pick up the tab for something, that's how I view it. You would thank them, yeah. Even if you took it out of savings, it came to your rescue. It was hanging out in savings, ready and willing to, to be do at your service. To be at your service. Mm-hmm. 
Your circumstance is your responsibility. There's no reason to make it money's fault. Even now, when I write tax payments, because when you run your own business, if you're not aware, you do have to make quarterly tax payments, which we did not do for many years. And again, (laughs) caused us a shitstorm of problems. And when I write my quarterly check to the government, I talk to it like a person. And I say, my God, honey, thank you so much for going. I know that it's such a shit show over in the government. (laughs) Who knows where they're going to send you? I cannot thank you enough for being willing to go on my behalf so that I stay out of jail, so that I'm able to save my my business. I didn't know you talked like that. You didn't? No. Every time I write my check, I do that. That's funny. Because it's the circumstance that's kind of shitty. It's not money. Money is what is taking care of you. Start looking for those opportunities all throughout your life. Are there traffic tickets that you have to pay because you didn't park the right place? That's you're bad, my friend. I've done that before where <laughs> I was visiting a friend in San Francisco. There's no joke happening with the fucking parking in San no, Fran. They will ticket the fuck out of you in yes. San Fran. So I had gotten a, a parking ticket. And when I wrote it, same thing. I was like, I am so sorry. I didn't pay attention. I'm sorry I have to send you. We don't even live in that county. <laughs> and you're willing to go on my behalf so that I stay out of jail. Thank you so much. And it's just a completely <laughs> different way to engage with the money. You can still be pissed that you have to pay a medical bill. You can still be pissed that you have to get a new fridge. Just be so clear that it's not money's fault because you're engaging in an energetic exchange. Yes. If you're constantly telling money, ew, God, you're not enough. And now I don't have enough for this. Now I don't have enough for this. We're going back to the abuse and we're continuing the cycle because that engagement will then create lack of money as you go forward. It's all just energy. It's the same way that if I was in a relationship with you and I started just speaking negatively to you and telling you how you were not enough and not telling you what I wanted. If we kept up that pattern, we would head to fucking divorce, right? We don't do that. We engage with one another in a really kind, beautiful way consistently so that that love continues to grow. The exact same thing happens with a relationship with your body, a relationship with friendships, with your money. It's how you engage with it that needs to shift. That's so true. I mean, I have nothing to add to that. Well, awesome. We are going to end there, I think. And I was wondering if this was a little too ambitious as I was looking through (laughs) my notes. Lock the two on, yeah. Yeah, I was going, "Mm, yeah. So right now, I really want you to start thinking about your beliefs around money with all of the things that I was talking about, what your money story is. And I also want you to start listening for ways in which you can view your relationship with money like it is a real human. Start listening for abuses. Look for neglect. Do you purposely not balance a checkbook or look at your online bill pay and you just let it go on automation and you don't ever really pay attention to it? That's like sending your kid off to boarding school. (laughs) not giving a shit and just like trying to send a a gift here and there, not really caring about what's going on with them. And I mean, I mean that in the like 1980s movie sense of sending them away to boarding school. I do. I'm sure that there's some really healthy ways to do that. I'm talking about where you put something on autopilot so that you don't have to be bothered with it. You still need to check back in. Yes. And have what I like to do is money dates where I have certain things in my calendar built out 
We'll talk about that a little bit next week. Are you going to go into budget next week? I wasn't. Maybe we'll have to do a three-parter. I don't know. I can do a little segment if you want. On a little segment. A little segment. A little something on budgeting. <laughs> yeah, I think that's huge. We're, we will be talking about getting specific around what you want with money, which okay. I think that will be really helpful. And listen and look for those opportunities to look where you are falling short. Okay. You know, and then we'll kind of pick things back up and look for opportunities where you can separate that relationship from the circumstance that you're in. If you have to pay for school, imagine that that was your best friend paying for school and express gratitude. That's awesome. I love it. And then we'll pick back up next week. Sound good? Sounds amazing. I really hope this was helpful for you guys. And we will see you over in the After Hours Club. You can find that in the show notes page. I'll also put those couple of resources on the show notes as well. And we will see you around these parts next week. Here is to loving and living your most badass life. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, out. Out.